Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. again everyone and welcome to another edition of the MMA Torch podcast. It is Thursday, January 21st, 2016. I am MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennick, joined once again tonight by MMA Torch contributor Michael Bain. Mike, how you doing tonight? I'm all right, Jamie. Thank you for having me. It's uh, been a lot of fun to start out the year with UFC and uh, other events. I'm, I'm glad we get to talk about them tonight. Absolutely. Uh, we might be joined by Rich Hansen tonight on this show. Uh, he could be joining us within the next five to ten minutes. If not, Mike and I will lock us uh, lock this down for the next hour or so. We have quite a bit to talk about still tonight uh, out of last weekend's UFC Fight Night 81 event. Uh, there was also the Invicta FC 15 card with Chris Cyborg's return. And we've got a couple other minor topics that we will touch on, including BJ Penn, Conor McGregor, uh, Jacare Vitor Lombard Magni. Uh, quite a bit to get to here in the next hour or so. So uh, thank you for tuning in, and uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation tonight. Uh, Mike, last Sunday night we had another really good title fight. To, to get us going here in 2016. We are only a f- uh, few weeks removed from UFC 195 and Robbie Lawler against Carlos Condit. And Sunday night we got another really good fight. It wasn't near the level of Lawler Condit, but TJ Dillashaw, Dominic Cruz was a damn good title fight in its own right on Fox Sports 1 um, and unsurprisingly brought the second highest viewership to that network for the UFC. Um, trailing only last year's uh, event in this same January time slot on a Sunday after the NFL playoffs, which featured Conor McGregor. TJ Dillashaw came in as the champion, Dominic Cruz, having fought just one time in the previous four years into this event. And regardless of the decision, which we will talk about here, this 25-minute fight was extremely competitive. And you've got to give Dominic Cruz nothing but cr- praise and credit for coming in after 
all of the injury issues he's battled, the fact that he'd had one minute of fighting competition since October of 2011, uh, and for him to perform the way he did against Dillashaw, uh, whom both you and I saw live last July look fantastic against Hennem Barrow, um, was extremely impressive, and I think that's one of the big takeaways, regardless of the, the decision and the way the fight played out, the fact that Cruz was as competitive as he was and had an argument for the decision that ultimately went his way is a damned impressive feat in my eyes. And I don't think anyone can really disagree with you there, Jamie. Dominic Cruz, everything he's had to overcome over the last four-plus years with tearing his ACL twice, the groin injury, having only a minute of cage time in the UFC to come back and be, you know, competitive isn't even the right word, to look how he did against one of the pound-for-pound best fighters in the world right now, you got to tip your hat to him. I cannot fathom being able, being kept from doing my job for four years. I just can't do that. And to not let, you know, the doubt and the depression creep in and, and to keep training and fighting through that and coming back to the level that he did is absolutely commendable. Uh, yeah. Regardless, like you said, of how you feel about the decision, it was, uh, I, you know, just, just to be uh, forthcoming here, I don't particularly care for Dominic Cruz. I'm not a huge fan of his uh, as a person, but you can't help but respect what he accomplished uh, on Saturday night. Or Sunday night, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was... I. I wasn't sure what we were going to get out of him. I don't think anyone could have been sure what they were going to get out of Dominic Cruz in this fight, given all of the outside factors and everything that had happened. Uh, so for him to essentially get right back to where he was, because that this, this was absolutely 100% a Dominic Cruz fight. And that's, that, that's one of the things that, was really interesting is that he was able to do exactly what he had done with so many uh, opponents before. I personally thought that TJ Dillashaw had more success than several of those uh, previous opponents. I thought that Dillashaw was connecting on a, a, a good amount of his strikes. Part of uh, I, I saw someone, um, on Twitter frame it as almost a, a reverse Leonard Garcia here where the the fact that he was missing a whole bunch of strikes was clouding judges on the strikes that were actually landing because it, it and it really kind of seemed like that because there TJ Dillashaw had a lot of success in this fight. He really did, especially when you consider how uh, few times Dominic Cruz has been hit throughout his career. TJ Dillashaw hit him with several combinations. He was having success with the leg kicks. He was uh, having success with some of his strikes. Cruz did a very good job of continuing to use his elusiveness and his movement uh, to kind of matrix out of some of the combinations. But Dillashaw was still landing effective strikes. Cruz was landing some effective counters. He had 
uh, you know, stronger success with his takedown. Stillashaw had never been taken down prior to Sunday night, and he got taken down something like four or five times throughout the course of this fight. Still, when it came down to it, I thought, I, I, scoring it live, I had it for TJ Dillashaw four rounds to one, giving Cruz the second off the strength of those takedowns, or I can't remember if it was the second or third now, off the strength of the multiple takedowns in that particular frame, whereas uh, I thought Dillashaw clearly won four and five, Rewatching it, fifth was a little murkier, but I still thought it was a Dillashaw round. And really, it, it it only took one of the first three rounds for TJ Dillashaw, uh, and and that would have been a justifiable justifiable decision in his favor. I still don't agree with the decision. I think TJ Dillashaw did enough to win that fight, but at the same time, it was one of those fights that's so close, so divisive, and there are so many different factors in a really close fight going round by round that it, it's it's impossible to argue definitively on this one. I, I agree with you there. I actually scored it the same way you did it. I had it uh, 46-49 uh, in, in favor of Dillashaw. And I really don't have a problem with any scorecard up to 48-47 for Dominic Cruz. Like you, I thought Dillashaw won the fourth and fifth rounds pretty convincingly, but the first three were were really anyone's game. And it's one of those fights where, I think I've said, the pundits and the fans are pretty much split down the middle as to who won. I believe that Dillashaw actually outlanded Cruz over the course of the fight. I think it was fight- really even. It was really it even. Was- it might as well have been even, you know, I'll, I'll say that uh, with the slight edge you know, in total number of strikes landed Cruz. But I, I do believe that the, you know, you said the reverse Leonard Garcia effect, maybe it, it, it didn't work in Dillashaw's favor. He threw a lot of strikes and a lot of them missed. Uh, personally, I don't hold them that against him. I, I think it's part of the strategy where if you have the cardio to continue to throw that many strikes, even if your opponent's dodging, it means that he's not offensively engaging at that particular moment. And that's that's what you saw. You know, uh, Cruz is a counter-striker. Dillashaw would throw some punches, and he'd follow it up with a head-kick combination. Cruz would be nowhere near that. He wasn't close to being hit by that particular kick, but he was also not countering and picking people off like he usually did in those particular striking exchanges. And I don't hold that against Dillashaw. I really think that played more into his strategy than anything else. Yeah, and it it's it's really tough because again, you 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 can't really hold ill will towards Dominic Cruz over how this played out. He fought his style of fight, and in those first three rounds, had varying levels of success, and arguably just as much as Dillashaw did. And, and honestly, the there's the argument that Dillashaw was pressing more and it was pressuring, but that that doesn't necessarily carry much weight when Cruz was also countering and avoiding strikes and fighting the way that he wanted to fight. You know, if, if he was he he was dictating as much of that early fight as Dillashaw was, and that's part of Dillashaw's problem here. Um, I. 
it's it's hard to say what you do next. Uh, Cruz came out today. He, he leaves the event with um, a minor tear of the left plantar fascia. Uh, he, he said that he was battling the foot injury into the event. Um, thankfully, it's only going to be a four to six week recovery. He shouldn't uh, need surgery or too much time out of out of the cage. So we we might see another bantamweight title fight by this summer. And he's calling for the Uriah Faber rematch. And and really, there are two options here. There's Uriah Faber or TJ Dillashaw. I'm very much of the uh, uh, belief that a, a Dillashaw rematch is the best fight to make. The right fight to make? I don't know. And, and Faber might be the right fight to make, quote-unquote, right now, because of the fact that he's not getting any younger. His skill set is declining. It's a fight that Dominic Cruz in 2016 probably wins. But given the fact that we haven't seen the rubber match, and that last fight between the two of them was really close, and the history that they have... This might be the time to strike on the Uriah Faber fight. Uh, I, I don't know if you have TJ Dillashaw rematch Rafael Asuncao or just wait for the Dillashaw or for the uh, Cruz Faber winner. But as much as I think he deserves that rematch, um, even more so than uh, some of the other fighters getting their own rematches in this uh, company right now, the Faber fight might be the one to make. That's the one I would make. I, I'm i just getting, despite the fact that I completely support a Carlos Condit and Robbie Lawler rematch right off the bat, I'm just getting sick of the rematch talk altogether. You know, if this were any other fight other than a title fight, one guy beats another guy by a split decision, controversial decision, whatever it is, rarely do you hear the talk about a rematch. And I just... Yes, it was close. I do believe Dillashaw won. I'm not really in favor of the rematch at this point. Numerous reasons for that. Let's just hypothetically, I think Dillashaw is one of the best fighters in the world. I think he is the best bantamweight fighter in the world. But he goes, he fights Cruz, he has an off night, the judges don't like him, he loses convincingly, whatever it is. He gets thrust right into this Joseph uh, Benavidez situation where there's nothing he can necessarily do to earn another title shot as long as Dominic Cruz has the belt and barring injury by Cruz, which is a necess- which is never a safe thing to assume, Cruz is head and shoulders above anyone else in that division other than Dillashaw. And you know, it's just one reason that I don't like the immediate rematch. And, and like you said, Faber... By the time he gets this match, he's probably going to be 37 years old. They've got some good history. He's still a very promotable fighter. He's been a company man for a while now. I have no problem closing out that trilogy, uh, letting him ride out you know, with a high-profile fight, and giving him the cruise, uh, the cruise match next. Let Dillashaw fight Asansao, you know, let him avenge that loss, and, uh, and, and build himself up a little bit again. Look like another look like a dominant fighter before we give him the cruise rematch. That's how I do it. 
I suspect that's the way that the UFC is going to go. They don't have a lot of contenders in the bantamweight division. And as opposed to wasting Uriah Faber's popularity on a meaningless fight prior to a championship match, I think they're just going to throw him in against Cruz right away. Um, we had some more judging. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Controversy, not entirely, but just iffiness on the judging um, in the co-main event as... Uh, Eddie Alvarez defeats Anthony Pettis by split decision. Um, this was an extremely disappointing fight, both from the performances from both fighters, the way the fight played out, and the decision itself. Um, I thought Anthony Pettis had done enough offensively to win two rounds, but at the same time, he allowed himself to get taken down multiple times and wasn't wasn't really eager to get himself up. And again, disappointing fight from both guys. Eddie Alvarez did almost nothing in this fight except for wall install, lay and pray. It was a really disappointing Eddie Alvarez fight. Um, but he gets the decision and uh, what is now technically two wins in a row over former champions in Gilbert Melendez and Anthony Pettis. This is a significant setback for for Pettis and not really much of an elevation for Alvarez um, and and throws the, the lightweight division into a bit of a loop. And we've got a little bit of breaking news, which uh, plays into this that I just came across. So I'm going to surprise you with this, too, Mike. Um, Tony Ferguson would be in the mix of all of this. He is apparently rematching Michael Johnson at UFC 197. Well, that's something. Um, were Johnson coming off a win? I'd love to see that. Yeah, it, uh, apparently it was uh, all timing. Tony Ferguson is having a child uh, in April. And um, Khabib Nurmagomedov is not available to fight until then. So with a lack of options, as Eddie Alvarez has a foot injury out of the Pettis fight, unable to fight at UFC 197, um, he wanted to get a fight in, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, I, I, I like the fight as far as it's a fight I want to see. I've never been fully convinced of Michael Johnson's ceiling as being a, a championship level, and, and truth be told, I wasn't. 
necessarily a Ferguson's either until his last couple of victories. He's looked fantastic. I don't really see what this fight gets him. I thought that the right fight to make now would have been Eddie Alvarez against Tony Ferguson at, at some point in the, you know, whenever Alvarez is ready to go. I, I was all for the winner of Alvarez Pettis getting the next title shot, but I thought Alvarez won the fight, but he didn't win it in a way uh, that made me want to see him fight for a title next. Hey, it looks like we got Rich Hansen buzzing in here. Let's, uh, still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I've got Rich calling. Let me see if we can do something here. Hello? Rich, are you with us yet? Just leave it to Rich to... <laughs> you keep talking, you're good. I'll keep talking. Uh, but like I said, I don't really think that this fight does anything for Tony Ferguson. It's a great fight for Michael Johnson. He's coming off of a loss. He gets a guy that arguably deserves the title shot next in the lightweight division, and a win is going to put him right back into that into the conversation for being a, for that title shot. Eddie Alvarez, Tony Ferguson, both those guys in my mind are one fight away. Ferguson really hasn't had that signature win yet. He beat Edson Barbosa in, in one of the fights of the year last year. But Edson Barbosa is not a guy that you build a championship resume off of. And I, I think the timing was perfect for him and Alvarez to have that number one contender fight and really earn that title shot against uh, Dos Anjos or McGregor, whatever the case may be. So a little bit surprised by this booking. Uh, hey, if Ferguson's having a kid and he wants to get a paycheck, more power to him. That's ultimately why these guys are in that sport. But, you know, if he could have waited out, in my mind, this isn't really the right fight for him to take at the moment. Uh, although, hey, let's face it, he's going to get a ton of exposure on the UFC 197 card. If, if you are a fighter that wants any type of attention... This is the card you want to be fighting on. Rich, I think we've got you here now, correct? Correct. Excellent. Um, did you, you maybe. Did, did you catch <laughs> the, uh, the the news that we're talking about here regarding Tony Ferguson's next fight? Yes, that he's having a baby in April. Congratulations. Oh, wait, there's more? <laughs> he's fighting Michael Johnson at UFC 197. Hey, lose two fights in a row, get the number one contender in the division. Awesome. Anything keeps Eddie Alvarez away from a number one contender fight, I'm fine with. I, I think we're going to see Eddie Alvarez fight uh, Nurmagomedov next, and he's <laughs> not going to win that yeah, fight. Yeah, push, push him up against the fence for 25 minutes, and I, good luck. <laughs> if, if that's the game he wants to play to try to get a title fight, then... <laughs> but I'm not bitter. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not speaking objectively here. Yeah. Um, it's... God, I hated that fight. It, it was it was as disappointed as I've been in a fight in a long time, and it's not just in Eddie Alvarez. Anthony Pettis is just as culpable with how that fight played out. Yep. Well, you know, I, I feel like you have to give Alvarez credit for Trying. doing pretty much... Yeah. The, well, it's the only thing he could have done to really pull this victory out. You saw what happened when uh, when they were in, a strike, in, a, in striking exchanges. Alvarez had nothing for him. I mean, Pettis was picking him apart with the kicks... And really connecting there, particularly in the beginning of the third round, Ed is, uh, Alvarez managed to hold him against the cage and convince the judges that, that doing that was enough to to get the, you know, albeit split decision. And so, convinced you, too, I noticed. 
He did. He did. So and sitting I, on someone's face is more important than kicking someone in the face. I'll remember that. You know, I this is what I give Alvarez here. For the majority of the fight, he was doing what he wanted to do, and he was making... No, what he wanted to do was fight and kick and punch, but he was too scared to do what he wanted to do, so he did what someone else told him he should do if he wanted to get a bullshit win. Well, and he got that bullshit win, so I'm, I'm not... <laughs> look, you can't argue... I just did. ...the guy win. You can make the case that Pettis won, but in the eyes of the people who mattered, which is apparently not me, and that's fine, he was awarded that victory. For the majority of the fight, he made Pettis do what he didn't want to do. And then that's ultimately why I gave him this. I, I thought a split decision was the right call. I, like I said, I was more than ready to put Alvarez in a title fight where he to beat Pettis. But after that less than convincing victory... I think another another fight, hope, which I was hoping would come against Tony Ferguson, is really what he needed. Yeah, I actually think that this harms him overall. Because, I mean, uh, as far as getting a title shot next, I really do. If, if if he would have won the type of fight that he wasn't scared to fight against Michael Chandler twice, admittedly, in my world, he lost both of those fights. So, you know, I'm sure. quite hypocrite here, but, you know, screw me. Um, it's, you know, not my paycheck we're talking about here. If he would have fought... You know, the way he fought the second and third rounds against Gilbert Melendez, who's, you know, no joke himself. You know, if he would have fought the way he fought pretty much every fight in his career until this one, then he'd have no problem getting, you know, getting a title shot with a win. But he changed everything about himself because he was scared to engage with Bettis. And, you know, there you go. Congratulations, well, he, Eddie. Good he was likely scared to be in great, in, just scared to engage with Pettis. I mean, look what happened when when he did. He he didn't really have an answer for that. Uh, Nurmagomedov is a horrible matchup for him. If that's that's the fight that's going to happen. happen. I really think that's the fight, that, especially with Tony Ferguson getting booked uh, against Michael jo- Michael Johnson. It's going to be Nurmagomedov against Alvarez, and it's going to be Anthony Pettis against Nate Diaz. That those those are the two fights that are, are almost assuredly going to happen in the next. Unless three Pettis gets unless Pettis gets Barboza. That's a that's a possibility because of Barboza coming off of a loss, but right. I don't know who you put Diaz in against then. Oh, mm. Diaz will find a way to be out for another sixteen months. Don't worry <laughs> about that, Jamie. You, I mean, the, the thing about Diaz is you can put him against anyone. And the fight will be interesting just because, or at least it will attract viewers just because it's Diaz in there. Right. Uh, I, I think I, I think he'll take the Pettis fight is is the biggest thing. I, no, I think I, he will take fun. that fight. I think that's a fight that could headline a Fox Sports One event easily, and probably will uh, come April or May. So if the Pettis fight with Alvarez won five rounds to both of you, who do you score for? An- Anthony Pettis wins that Pettis. fight easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think it's. I complain about it. I complain about it being a three rounder from the start. I mean, yes. one year ago, well, even two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, did you ever think that when Anthony Pettis and Eddie Alvarez finally fought, that it would be a co-main event on cable TV and three-round fight? No. Yeah? Right. Exactly. It was a throwaway fight, and both yes. guys, both guys, despite my inherent prejudice, you know, for anyone out of the Rufus camp, fought it with just that level of motivation. Pettis well, they, didn't do a damn thing either. I mean, I, I mean, the 38 seconds where he was actually able to do something, he was solid, don't get me wrong, but every, Ben Henderson, when, when Pettis beat Henderson the second time, in Milwaukee, Ben Henderson gets on the mic and says, yeah, I wanted to push him backwards, and I knew he wasn't as good fighting backwards. He just wasn't talented enough to, to follow through on it. But, uh, you know, 
let's not forget four body kicks that Pettis threw against Henderson in in the UFC title fight. Mm-hmm. But even after that, while Henderson felt that he didn't crumple like Cerrone did to one liver kick, and the only reason that Pettis won that fight was because he threw that stupid capoeira kick that wound up with him on his back and and henderson left his arm out if he doesn't throw that capoeira kick the round ends henderson wins the round 10-9 for all we know maybe he wins 5-10-9 the same way the fight against gilbert melendez anthony pettis was losing pretty much what do you say maybe three quarters of that fight uh, you know no. until of course yeah no Pe- melendez won the first round eh, melendez he won on all three cards everyone's I, card you know judging in an mma made decisions he won the first round and the fight was over two minutes into the second round and melendez was doing okay in the second round until he gave one opening to pettis the the point i'm trying to make jamie is that the game plan isn't just out but it has been out since let me see 2013 at the earliest hell if you want to be realistic about it the game plan's been out since clay guida beat him in what was that 2011 pettis hasn't done one damn thing to fix the big gaping hole in his game the game in the hole in his game is a bigger hole than Carlos Condit's takedown defense, okay? That's how big of a hole it is. And he hasn't bothered to fix it, even though he has the resource of Ben Askren in his camp. He doesn't want to fix it. Yeah, it's it's a fair point. And it's unfortunate for someone as talented as he is in so many other aspects of the game that it, it's, it's something he hasn't shored up. But again, if that's all he wants to do, he can fight for glory, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think you can, you know, the Carlos Com- Condit comparison is is very apt, and I think it might be one of those things that they may not be able to fix, no matter how hard they try. You know, Pettis's motivation doesn't hasn't necessarily been there. He's lost. Look at George St. Pierre. He never wrestled until he got into the sport. He kind of fixed that hole. Athletically, they are comparable. I'm, I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, athletically. I'd, I'd say they are comparable. Uh, right. But it's we're, all we're, also, we're also comparing Anthony Pettis to one of the greatest mixed martial artists that's that's ever walked the face of the Just earth. Just talking athletically and the desire to improve. There's there's lots of athletic guys. That's just such a high standard. And uh, and that was his ceiling less than a year ago. I don't know that I'm willing to go there, but. Athletically, I will I will concede that Pettis is is as gifted as anyone that's ever entered the sport. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I don't really I, I don't know that that's necessarily a whole. We're, we're talking about a guy. There's between Pierre and and Pettis is Pierre was is large enough. He's on the larger end of welterweights, and Pettis can easily make the cut to 145 and drop down. He's not particularly large as a lightweight. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, I think he is fighting a little bit of an uphill battle against those wrestlers where St. Pierre had the natural size to, to compensate for that particular hole. Yeah. Um, Possible he fights Eldo next instead of Diaz, Jamie? That's, hey, I want That's the fight. It, is the, I, I don't think that Eldo wants to, to take that fight right now. That's, no, he that's, only wants a title okay. fight, but I, but if Connor's going to fight at 170 at UFC 200, <laughs> at 185 at UFC 205 <laughs> at the end of the year, we're going to need a, a litany of interim titles. Yeah, well, I'm I, assuming I'm assuming Brock Lesnar is on uh, Connor McGregor's uh, fight plan at some point. He wants. Not, he wants that's to go the one the, non-title fight he'll take. He wants yeah. to go the 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 Floyd Mayweather against Big Show route next. Yeah, <laughs> which was a good fight, by the way. I do. <laughs> 
I think it was a work. I heard it was a work. <laughs> that might not have been on the up and up. Um, in addition to what the company that hires Donald Trump isn't always on the up and up. What the hell is wrong with you, Jamie? Wasn't that the same card? Mm-hmm. I think it might have been. Look at me knowing. Look at me knowing way too much about professional wrestling just to try and get a paycheck again. <laughs> um, in addition to the uh, the. the questionable decisions there was also significantly questionable judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Questionable refing in the next fight on the FS1 card Sunday night as uh, Travis Brown jabbed a couple of fingers into Matt Mitrione's right eye, which wound up getting blown up um, in nasty fashion from a uh, strike that landed after in the second In what other fashion could an eye get blown up from an eye uh, poke, Jane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brown finishes this in the third round by TKO on the ground when Mitrione had nothing left, um, at all. Vision. No vision. Could, yeah. No vision. I swelled up, uh, in, in awful fashion, uh, shoulder messed up and, uh, damaged AC joint, I believe was the, was the issue for Mitrione after. Um, I, I have argued this point time and time and time again, but it's still bears repeating because nothing has been done about it. Unless there are automatic point deductions and disqualifications for IPOKE infractions, we're going to continue to see this happen. Fighters know they are not going to face any uh, adverse action against them, and so they continue to extend their fingers and jab their thumbs or uh, any other digits into the eye socket of their opponent, and it continues to happen, and it's going to continue (coughs) until something changes. Um, Such a negative attitude. (laughs) Travis Brown uh, already wasn't liked into the event, got booed heavily at the weigh-in, was booed heavily during the fight, was booed heavily afterward, um, I don't think anything changes here. Uh, Mitrione finishes out his UFC contract in uh, unfortunate fashion and is probably going to retire at this point, I think, is the likely sure. outcome here. Um, he might wind up fighting Blago Ivanov. It's possible. Rich, any thoughts on Brown's eye pokes, this fight itself, um, and anything on uh, Trinaldo Pearson from the FS1 card? before we move on well i'm not talking about Ronaldo pearson that's um, that's fine 
because the Mitrione. You know what angered me the most about the Mitrione thing? Let's say the referee was went into the fight saying first eye poke is free if I think it's unintentional, second one's a point. Okay, you can at least make the case for that because that's progress. Sure. He didn't see the second eye poke, hmm. and Mitrione essentially called a timeout. So if the ref didn't see the eye poke and then he waited 30 seconds and then Mitrion says I can't see I can't see he should have waved the fight off right there and declared it a TKO or verbal submission in favor of Travis Brown yep. the fact that he allowed the fight to continue after doing that indicates that he was aware that there was an eye poke and just chose to do nothing about it because Travis Brown kept on going after Mitrion so it, 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 that's the under-discussed part of what happened in this fight that referee should never be allowed to ref again because he was aware of what happened and chose to not only not pause the fight, chose to ignore it un until Mitchell made such a big deal about it. If he at least would have called, okay, TKO, he could have said, all right, I didn't see the eye poke. You know, that happens. Referees are human. You're allowed to miss even that. You're allowed to miss it and not visualize it, you know? You know, note, even if, Note yeah. on that front. There had been a letter written by someone to the uh, Massachusetts Commission about this particular referee. Uh, because of his ineptitude in right. previous events. And mm -hmm. they said, no, we're confident in his skills. Right, be that, because we don't want to admit that there's a problem until everyone well, in Flint is dead. And that's, <laughs> the, that's the ironic thing about that whole fight. Topical. I, know. <laughs> I, I agree with what Rich said. The, the fact that he allowed Mitrione to essentially get a timeout, you know, 30 seconds or a minute after the eye yeah, poke. indicates that he was aware of it. Well, th th to me, it, it said more that he was completely unconfident in the fight that he was calling and was what happened. Yep, he was in exactly. over his head. No, he was over his head. And there, there isn't an excuse, regardless of whether he knew or didn't knew. There, there was no didn't excuse knew, for the behavior. Knew. Didn't knew. Didn't know. Man, it's, it's been a long day, night, whatever we're at right now. There, there wasn't really. <laughs> I don't knew what you're talking about. <laughs> Not many people seem to lately, but there wasn't a... I matched uh, that, Mike. <laughs> and like, I was, like I've been trying to say now like eight times, uh, the, Rich is right. You're not going to hear me say, say that. Say that again. <laughs> he tried Rich to say may, it eight times, Maybe I've once been right at this you know, at, you know. at one right. his life. We but, have other yeah, stuff I want to get to, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll through quick the rest of this FS1 <laughs> card. Um... Because we've spent half the, the time... And I haven't even given my it. thoughts on the main event. I don't know why you haven't even talked about it yet. <laughs> uh, well, you were late for that one, so... You uh, started early. Francisco, Show doesn't start till I get here, Jamie. Uh, yeah, okay. You haven't figured that out in the last five years? We saved you for the next topic after we get through this uh, card, because you get to talk about BJ Penn some, coming out I was about to say, something tells me I'm about to get ambushed. <laughs> You could talk I'll about open BJ a Penn vagina on each coming of your out of retirement for the first time since, what, 2010 There's... in your eyes? Is that when the Hughes fight was? <laughs> that was just an exhibition. <laughs> okay, uh, the FS1 card Sunday night, Francisco Trinaldo beat Rod Ross Pearson. Uh, Patrick Cote looked pretty solid against Ben Saunders, has now scored two straight uh, TKO victories and wants to and make a that'll run. that'll get him, Nick Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to make a run at welterweight. Uh, it may or may not happen. Hint, it's not going to happen. Uh, Ed Herman beat uh, fellow middleweight Tim Boach in a light heavyweight fight. Uh, Chris Wade 
defeated uh, Meji Baghdad by submission. Luke Sanders had a solid UFC debut in taking out Maximo Blanco in the first round. On UFC Fight Pass, Paul Felder came back from down two rounds against Aaron Cruikshank to score a third round rear naked choke submission. Alir Latifi took out Sean O'Connell in 30 seconds. Charles Rosa beat late replacement Kyle Bochniak in a really, really good fight uh, for a prelim fight. Rob Font took out Joey Gomez by TKO. And Francis Marbaroche defeated Elvis Mutopchik in a fight that I suppose happened. It was not. I'm good. sorry, Jamie. You just put me to sleep. Can you repeat that, please? Nope. Um, I'm surprised you can pronounce all those names correctly. That's, that's <laughs> surprised you took the time to pronounce all those names correctly, because anyone who's listening to us is already aware of all those results from four days ago. Or they don't <laughs> care about it at all, and I've wasted the time anyway. Or maybe they love you so much that the only contact they have with the sport is listening to this show. Yeah, I probably. highly doubt that. Oh, like, as do I. That was called blowing smoke up your ass. Any other thoughts on the FS1 card? Well, you know, Patrick Cote, man, <laughs> uh, looks great. He, he does. At his age, given the run he's had, let's not forget this guy fought Anderson Silva how many years ago at 185 pounds? He's, he's near the end of his, of his career, and he's one of those guys that somehow is getting better skill-wise. He's learning, even though his athletic peak was probably five or six years ago. I, of course, he's not going to get uh, Nick Diaz, and he's probably never going to make a title run, but you can't help but root for the guy as he's putting together this late career resurgence. And I was, I was really impressed uh, with how effective he was against Ben Saunders. He's six and one in his last seven. Has only lost to uh, Wonderboy Thompson. You know, it's they they haven't all been entertaining or great, but the wins over Josh Berkman and Ben Saunders were good wins for him, and you know at least all has a foundation for him to move forward. All guys who belong in the UFC over Ben Askren, by the way. <laughs> Okay, I got that one out of the way. We can just check that. Yeah, out. yeah. We, we, we I mean, we're that. getting to the other one real soon, so. <laughs> Rich, anything? Uh, hey, any, any I, other wait, takeaways? Well, I caught that. Any other takeaways on the UFC Fight Night 81 event? Uh, other than the fact that it kind of sucked that Anik wasn't calling fights uh, because it was on Fox Sports 1, and I don't like them gerrymandering the, the crews hmm. to get Goldberg and Rogan, who are average, which is the highest compliment I've given them in years, that bout. But on the bright side, at least they gave Anik the studio so I could watch the post game instead of having uh, Karen Bryant do it. But, you know, it's neither really here nor there. And also, I would, for whatever reason, I really think Cote versus Worley Alves would be a great fight for both guys. That's a really good fight. I like that a I lot. I got my moments. I'm good at yes. that. I bet you wish I had time to write that column every I week. I do wish you had time to write that column every, uh, uh, every event. I, I second that. Here's one for you guys. Paul Felder seems to fight his level of competition. I, I thought he was really ready to crack the top, what, 15, 10 or something. But he was the down to Darren Crookshank. The top something. But, you know, he was he was down two rounds nothing against Darren Crookshank, who is really on Very the edge tough. as far as being a, a UFC fighter. Hey, the Detroit superstar got to represent. But, I mean... Felder was not particularly Isn't that impressive. that a contradiction in terms, by the way? Isn't the yes. Detroit superstar mm. kind of it's like the nickname. South Dakota basement dweller? 
Oh, I mean, man, I, I tell you what, Michigan just can't catch a break here between the. No, Michigan can catch a break. Just not. Pitch. I mean, just uh, not the east coast of the state. <laughs> All the way from Ohio to the tip of Lake Huron. <laughs> but UP in the house, you know. Hey, it's a beautiful place in the summer. You die there in the winter. I mean, that's you know that's how that goes. Detroit. Detroit, you die there all year long. Detroit is not beautiful in the summer because the sun is shining on for 15 hours a day. Well, also the the murders and, you know. That, that oh, you stuff. can get that but, anywhere. I mean, just go to Chicago. <laughs> At least Chicago's defensible beyond, beyond the murders, you know. Anyway. And we're going on a different uh, path in this conversation. Um, speaking of. Although I will uh, say that the water in Flint really does look like some of my favorite whiskey-based cocktails that you can get in Chicago. Speaking of attempted murder, uh, Chris Cyborg was back in action on. See, I thought you were cycling to BJ Penn there. I'm I'm on edge and I'm ready for you. Uh, I'm I'm holding off on that just just a little bit. Mike, I know you didn't. That's what we call in the industry a tease. Mike, I know you didn't see any of Saturday's card. And Rich, I'm fairly certain that you uh, canceled your Fight Pass uh, account several months ago so i'm assuming you also did not see the invicta fc 15 card on saturday night not legally (laughs) um or or illegally chris cyborg justino defeats daria ibragamova by knockout with two seconds left in the first round ibragamova did her best to survive a round and that's as much as you could say about that uh there, there was the longest-held single leg in maybe the history of rounds, um, and she still had her face messed up by the end Careful. of that fight. Okay, good. Really, this, the, the, the bright spot of Saturday's broadcast for me was Livia Hinata Souza, uh, the current Invicta strawweight champion. She took out uh, Deanna Bennett. By TKO in 90 seconds, her first TKO victory, and it came by body strikes. Um, Souza has nine career wins, seven of them by submission, now one by TKO, and she called herself the strawweight effing Conor McGregor, and she wants Wait, to it, make does her. Does she mean that as a verb? Like she's <laughs> admitting so. that she so. that she's making Conor McGregor cheat on his longtime girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because probably. if so, that's very indelicate of her, and I don't really appreciate that. <laughs> um, Souza is a very talented strawweight fighter. It would be a fantastic addition to the UFC's 115-pound roster. Um, I really want to see Souza against any number of the current strawweights on the roster right now. Uh, she's got her eyes on a Paige Van Zant fight. And uh, yeah. the UFC is not going to make that because they like Paige Van Zant too much to subject her to that type of fight. Um, and of course, she sees that because she wants the easy payday and the easy win. Well, well, hey, you got yeah. you got to credit for for naming the names that people care about: Conor McGregor, Paige Van Zant. At, at least the girl, whatever her skills may be, and you know, I admit I didn't see that fight. At least she knows what it's going to take to promote herself. Hopefully her skills will match or at least catch up to that. Can we just give these fighters a bonus for every time they successfully promote themselves without invoking the words McGregor or Rousey in (laughs) said promotion? Sure. 
because that that's becoming promotion 101 and eventually the law of diminishing returns is going to kick in here sweetheart it might i mean she should sell herself as the only person to successfully defeat Aline saddlemare twice that's how <laughs> yeah. she should sell herself <laughs> I would no totally one if she can if she can drop that reference and still promote herself, then she's a good self promoter. You know, the two people that get that will probably watch that fight. Two people, well, obviously not because you're one of the people who got it and you haven't watched any of her fights yet. So no, probably not. Well, no bonus for her then. So you know what I mean. All right, just just quick on on Cyborg here because she. She abandoned can I, can plans for bandwidth. That, that. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Olivia uh, Souza versus Carolina Kowalczyk for a number one contender fight in her debut fight would be the proper fight to make. Yeah. No, I like that a lot, actually. Good. Because Rose Namajunas, as good as she's looked against bad fighters, would get slaughtered. Probably. Tisha Torres and her lack of offense. She fought against a real fighter like that. We get slaughtered. Let them be built up slowly. Yeah. Souza's ready now. And she's only a year older than, than Nami Yunus, and she's two years younger than Tisha Torres. Yeah. No, I, she, she's ready to be brought in right now to be a, a challenger. Absolutely. No question. She's she's right there. Um, mm-hmm. she, she clearly sees Invicta as a stepping stone because she's yeah, fought twice. And... <laughs> And both Except of Bar them, Ponchak, of course, who can't even get a fight because her last fight was so awful, and yeah. I was there. As for Chris Cyborg, uh, she still uh, she thinks that there's money being left on the table by the UFC by by not having her in there. And honestly, <laughs> with 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 Ronda Rousey uh, losing the title to Holly Holm, it, it, if the UFC wanted to just do feature fights for Chris Cyborg, there's there's money to be made there. There's absolutely money to that be made there. That would be there. so short-sighted. Hey, you, without a division, come in and beat up all of our top contenders so that they're no longer marketable to fight for a belt in the division that we actually have. Yeah, go in and completely destroy our 135-pound division and then leave the sp- and then leave our company. Yeah, good idea. Who said anything about her fighting the 135-pound contenders? At 145, I'm talking. Yeah, but she fights the same. I, it it has nothing to do with eight, that. It, it's not a it's it's not about a title. It's it's about. I know. <laughs> she's, 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 let's let's say Holly Holm beats Misha Tate. Let's say Ronda Rousey isn't ready till the end of the year. Let's say they make a hundred and forty or hundred forty five pound fight at UFC two hundred between Cyborg and Holm. Let's say Cyborg wins that fight. Better yet, wins the fight convincingly. You've just crushed your champion who crushed Ronda Rousey, so that somebody who's not got a home in your company can hold that win. And no. I'm not advocating for she that fight. She can't fight, fight it. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying they Then can... you don't give her fights, period. And if she can't Fine. make 135, then she doesn't have a home in your company. Let her go, and she can fight on Bellator. If, if that's yeah. the way you want to take it, then yeah, that's what yeah. should be done. Because, But there's money to be made in Chris Cyborg fights. 
based you on know, what? How much money is she yeah. making in Vivo? I'm not saying there's a lot of money to be made. I'm saying there is money to be made. So you're saying the that, that the company with $600 million in revenue really needs the extra $49.99 that let's, she let's, later might not bring in. Let's, let's back up here, here for a second. Were it not for Ronda Rousey, no one would care if Chris Cyborg came and beat up the entire bantamweight division in the UFC. And if it weren't for Gina, Caro- Caro- Corona. Gina Carano, no one would have cared about her in the first place. Yes, but that I guess I don't really see how that relates to the point I just made. Yes, Gina Carano mattered. Ronda Rousey mattered. I'm saying and, Cyborg and, doesn't And that's what you get for being on a podcast with Rich, Mike. Yeah. It's short-sighted if you assume that the women's bantamweight division is going to have any draws at all. Again, were it not for Ronda Rousey, no one would care. How much do people care about women? Which is one reason they need to build them up. I I agree. But is it really going to set them back a whole lot if Cyborg comes and cleans out the division? Eh, Maybe, maybe not. The glow around Holly Holm may fade quickly if Rousey never makes comeback or Rousey never wins again. You know, that's something that we have to consider. And at some point, what do you do? You have the the men's featherweight division here where Jose Aldo, one of the most dominant champions that's ever lived, can't sell a pay-per-view to save his life. Who cares if you match him up against a 170 pound guy? Kicks his ass. His last pay- hey, Aldo's last pay-per-view is trending over 1.1 million buys. Thank you very much. Yeah, that absolutely had everything to do with Jose Aldo. Damn right. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I can't argue with that. Okay. Let's hey, let's Conor no, McGregor versus no. Let's let's continue. Let's Brimage continue like on nothing. Rich Logic right now. Let's continue yes. on Rich Logic because wait a BJ minute. Penn I, wait, 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 wants wait, wait, to make okay. a, a a return. As a featherweight, and he wants to make a run for the UFC featherweight championship. Um, based based on the way that Rich sees things, this is BJ Penn's first fight since knocking out uh, Matt Hughes, and those Frankie Edgar fights didn't actually happen. What and um, apparently, BJ Penn at or featherweight is going to be effective enough. Let to Jamie talk. Make a run at the featherweight championship in 2016 never won a fight in let's just go there yes yes (laughs) we can add he's never won a title there yet he's got two wins over guys who have fought at 145 and they were slaughters thank you very much you know rich it's interesting i'm sure you listened to our podcast last week where i said he absolutely didn't he did not absolutely did not you know and it's well, that's too bad because you would have heard me saying I think BJ Penn could absolutely compete in the lightweight division and potentially make some kind of meaningful run, uh, even at 37 years old and despite you know not having won a, a uh, real convincing fight in a long time. However, for whatever reason, he's chasing Frankie. He's the anti-Conor McGregor. He's chasing Frankie Edgar at featherweight. In division where he has... He's chasing only... Douglas Crosby, not Frankie Edgar. Well, he's going to be chasing... He's chasing any... Nick Lentz. Yeah, it's... Nick Lentz is chasing him. I, you the know... zebra is chasing the lion because the zebra can't tell a rhyme for his life. <laughs> but the zebra could... I don't even... I can't go anywhere with this analogy. It's just horrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, you, be... you know... I win. Take take the Matt Hughes fight out of it from November of 2010. Take that fight out of it. BJ has not looked good since opening up 
a goat's vagina on Diego Sanchez's forehead in December of 2009. Listen I to disagree. Crosby over here. I disagree with this. I thought he looked okay against Frankie Edgar in the first fight, and I Again, thought he looked. Uh, Mike, he, okay is not good. Well, I, I said he has he not looked, looked good. But you're talking about looking passable against one of the best fighters in the world at that time, and I think still now. And he looked pretty decent against John Fitch, a man who he got robbed him. against Frankie Edgar in Abu Dhabi. He yes. should have had a submission against Frankie Edgar in the second fight. He needed 21 <laughs> seconds to beat Matt Hughes. He got robbed against John Fitch because of a goddamn 10-8. No one scores 10-8s anymore. That's my well. That's kind of my point, but yeah, that's where I was going with that. I thought he looked, and and you know what? Right. Got, so take it up your ass, Jamie. Stick he it. Got, he got <laughs> Look, the John the John Fitch fight was good. The John Fitch fight was was a, a good performance from BJ Penn outside of that third round. In, he in, beat in John fight, Fitch into Rob Maisie's arms, okay? Because Fitch was never the same guy after that beating in the first two rounds. Oh, that that's, that is that's fair, but, but then he, then he got you. destroyed. By Nick Diaz. He got destroyed by Rory McDonald. He Diaz got, got in his head. Rory McDonald's a middleweight. By Frankie Edgar in the third fight. And he didn't have enough time to prepare for Frankie Edgar. But he's not. And Jamie, I agree with everything you're saying there. But I agree with everything I love, Jamie said. I love Rich's revisionist history on BJ Penn, by the way. It's one of my favorite ongoing things from the eight years that I've been doing this. Well, let me give you some real reasons here why why I think you can be competitive at lightweight. Your points are absolutely correct. He was he he got beat by just the hell beat out of him by Rory McDonald, who is as Rich said a middleweight, and BJ right. Penn is not he a welterweight. Beat, I'll be the first one to admit he didn't beat Leota Machida heavyweight either. Yes. Okay, and, Rich. And, okay, no, and no, he no, got, Mike, Mike. Before you even get into this, Rich. Who does BJ Why do I Penn feel like beat? you're talking down to me? Who does BJ Penn beat at featherweight? I want you to tell me who in the top ten at featherweight he can beat. Well, I can't tell you until they make the fight. Uh, he, I don't think he really. I, I don't. He needs to fight a lightweight. That's just he's a he's lightweight. He's not going to. He's, that's the point. He's not I, going to. He says he's going after the featherweight belt. He's got Greg Jackson in his corner, and that, and, and he's he's added another yes man to to. Everything that hey he's hey done hey 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 was the yes this... man thing? Would you ever say no to BJ Penn? I wouldn't. No, but that doesn't. That, that, but that doesn't make. <laughs> but, but, that doesn't make any difference in regards to what he's going to do in the cage. the 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 fact of the matter is, I'm not going to tell BJ Penn to stop eating hot dogs and drink beer. Are you? Look, here's here's the How question. How do we know that 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 eating hot dogs and drinking beer is not his kryptonite? Hmm? I, here's here's a real question. Who, who do you match BJ Penn up against? He's returning. Jamie. Let's just get over it. Besides Jamie in the featherweight division, who do you who do you let's, set his first fight against? Let's let Max Holloway beat him in Hawaii. Oh God. That just seems mean. Kawajiri. Yeah, like, the Kawajiri like, fight is the fight to make. I mean, I, okay. I, I'm, I'm. I think that is a good straight one. up, I straight up. That's that. the fight to make. Oh, well, Rich gave a straight answer, and nobody's giving him any credit for that. We'll just keep patting him on his head and talk about Max Holloway eating a soul in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> the, no, the the Kawajiri fight is the fight to make at featherweight yeah. if he's coming back. I don't know what else to do here. I'm telling you. What? Uh, <laughs> 
I, I watched that. It's it's not a big name fight. It's not the type of fight that, you know... It's BJ you, Penn. How much of a name do you need on the other side? Of course it's a big name more fight, you, you dummy. More than you used to. <laughs> you need Rich. Ben I'm sorry on to the say, other side. You need a bigger name than you used to need for BJ Penn because he's fighting out of his weight class, and because of that, he hasn't won in a while, and he looks really bad against Frank. I Miles think... Curry. Okay. Anyway, I'll I think, watch it. I think Rich wants BJ Pucks Penn wants. to come back against CM Punk to get a guaranteed win in the Octagon again. I'd watch that too. <laughs> I'd watch that. I mean, because if if BJ Pucks Penn wants, wants to, beat it, that's yeah. That's hey, I'd watch. I think that's actually a, another very good suggestion by Rich Hansen. Please note that I am saying this so he can't Charles complain. Oliver. No. No, I wouldn't make that fight. I don't think he stands a Oliver chance. is not submitting BJ Penn. He doesn't need to. I don't like that fight. I'd much rather see Cup Swanson, a guy that that has a decent name and they can both benefit from wins off of one another. I don't I don't feel like seeing BJ Penn get his ass kicked by Charles Oliveira in a fight that who who's Charles Oliveira to most people out there? I just I don't want to see that. The guy that got starched in Toronto by Cub Swanson, if you ask me. But that was awesome. All right. Go All right. BJ Penn. <laughs> See, Jamie, this is why he's not a trial lawyer. <laughs> what? So what's next on our, our agenda? <laughs> um, on the next topic. Here. All right. It's a shame. It's a shame Diego Sanchez is going back up to 155 because there's another name <laughs> with the, with the name value and a setup match. Let's let's talk about uh, uh, weight jumpers because Conor McGregor this week is is adding even more uh, to his his goals for 2016 and beyond. Um, now saying that he likes the sound of the 170 pound belt and thinks that something he can do. By year's end, I don't think the UFC gives him an opportunity to do that. But then again, he's the only person who's gotten an opportunity to take another division's belt with without uh, vacating his since BJ Penn tried to take uh, George St. Pierre's welterweight title at UFC 94. You still have them both, and we wouldn't be talking about this whole featherweight thing to begin with. Thank you very much. <laughs> um. Look, McGregor was in fine form on Wednesday at the UFC 197 uh, post, pre-fight press conference. Um, he, great on top of a shirt. <laughs> that 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 was that was intentional. Um, he 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 absolutely just verbally destroyed Rafael dos Anjos. I don't think that that's a surprise to anyone because dos Anjos is just not in his element as far as. Uh, trying to promote and talk side-by-side side with McGregor. Um, so he's Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but McGregor, I am the Dos Anjos of MMA podcast. Get that <laughs> you're, you're a free TV fighter, Mike. Uh, <laughs> yes. I know. Mike, can't, Mike can't draw worth a damn. Um, uh, McGregor really did... <laughs> He he, t- he tore Dos Anjos down significantly. Um, 
he, he essentially said, you know, he made the decision to take this fight uh, because Dos Anjos has a title and nothing else but that. He has nothing else to... This is quotes from McGregor. He has nothing else to offer me except that gold belt. So it was a simple decision. Uh, he, he says he's an active champion. He wants to, to fight up to four times a year. The UFC believes him when he says that because he has followed through on everything else he's been saying to them um, and and thinks that he's going to take uh, Rafael Dos Anjos out. Within one minute, cash his check, sign the contract for UFC 200, and go again. Uh, once again, as he said, 2015 was my year. 2016 is also my year. Every year is my fucking year. Um, Wait, we can say that on the show now? Eh, here and there. Um, here's the thing with Conor McGregor. It's I, I have an MP3 that goes like two minutes. Has some nice strings in the background. I can play. It's it's hard to it's hard to doubt him, given what we've seen. It's it's hard to doubt him after he took out uh, Chad Mendez and after he knocked out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. Dos Anjos is still, in my opinion, the most dangerous of the, the three options that he had in front of him, and I give him credit for taking that. But at the same time, he also pointed this out. You know, Dos Anjos wanted to try to say, you know, the lightweights are bigger and, and uh, it's a different division there. He's a, he's a McGregor is a taller guy than Dos Anjos. He has a longer reach. He's not a small featherweight by any stretch. He's going to be right there size-wise with Dos Anjos. The big difference is bulk-wise, wrestling strength-wise, Dos Anjos has an edge. But with what McGregor has been doing, it, it's it's impossible to doubt that this man can do what he says he's going to do. Rich, do you think Conor McGregor is going to be a two-division champion in the UFC as of March 6th? Yeah, um, I do. I, I'm done doubting him. I'm done picking against him. And if I were a degenerate gambler and made tons of money on McGregor, I would continue to let it ride at least to some extent yeah. on, you know, uh, until it didn't pay out. I haven't taken the time to break down the fight. I mean, it's still two pay-per-views away and all that. Don't get me wrong, but he's so damn accurate. Yeah. Um, and, and his footwork is sublime. He pulled his head a little still, you know, and I don't like him always keeping his hands down as low, but that might actually work out against Dos because if Dos can try and push him up against the fence, I don't know that he can keep Connor there because Connor's going to be able to get the underhooks easier just because of the way he keeps his arms, you know, when the glitch would be initiated in the first place. That said, Chad Mendez is fat Chad, Chad Mendez for that fight anyways, was able to take him down at will and stayed down on him for a while. And, and Dos Anjos has shown you know, an, an affinity to to be able to win fights dirty, not illegal dirty, but, you know, dirty boxing, ugly, you know, that type of dirty. So, I mean, I certainly see the path to victory. It's the exact same path to victory that we saw for Chad Mendes, and it was working until it didn't. But, you know, put all that together, neither any result in that fight wouldn't surprise me, but at this point, I'm leaning McGregor. Uh, and then... If he thinks he's going to fight at 170, then, I, I mean, 
I just want to know who's going to give the eulogy at the uh, Frankie Edgar funeral because he's going to kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Because Edgar might make 155 to chase him, but he ain't fighting at 170. You know, and weighing in at 157 and a quarter pounds for this welterweight title fight, Frankie Edgar. Now Edgar's going to show up with the beer belly like mine, you know? Uh, Mike, same question. Is Conor McGregor going to be a two-division champion as of March 6th of this year? No, I don't know that I'm ready to make that pick yet. I, I, yeah, I, I'm not yeah. either. Never mind. It's <laughs> I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> uh, as Rich said, we are two pay-per-views away. Thank you. What, what I do, what I do like, I, the thing that you know, we, we talk about McGregor moving up to lightweight. It's not a huge move up for him. Yeah, he is taller. He's got more reach. There's little doubt in my mind he could easily pack on the muscle to be comparable in size to to Rafael dos Anjos, and you know that alone. Uh, I, it it absolutely stands to be a competitive fight, and it's like everyone keeps saying, you just can't doubt Conor McGregor anymore. You, there's he's got this 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 kind of fluky thing about him still, like Chris Weidman did when he beat Anderson Silva. Yeah, he beat Chad Mendes, he beat the wrestler, but Mendes only had two weeks to train. Hey, he beat Jose Aldo, but eh, maybe it was the lucky punch. It was only thirteen seconds. We didn't. Yeah, exactly. We didn't get to see the whole fight. On the, uh, on the flip side of that, he beats everybody that's put in front of him. And so, you know, like... So in Rich, this analogy, Rafael Dos Anjos is to Conor McGregor what Leota Machida was to Chris Weidman. Potentially. And, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's a very apt comparison there because... I was uh, all the praise after I beat him on the BJ debate. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were on the same side of that debate, but whatever. Nobody's I, on my side. If you aren't one hundred percent on board, you're not on my side. And no Rich, Rich to... and BJ equals persecution complex. Well, yes, I, I'm I'm gonna, see, no and I'll keep keep bringing it up. So you know, you, you tread lightly. Anyways, continue. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I kind of lost my trip. But but the, the Machida Stop. thing, exactly Machida. He was one of those guys I, just, I never really expected him to lose, uh, even though he lost, obviously, to, to John Jones because he was he was fast. He had knockout power. And and Weidman was just kind of this slow, tough guy that seemed to luck into a couple of out, out Anderson Silva wins. Now, yeah, you watch those fights. It was clear he was winning start to finish in all of them, regardless of the, the broken leg or, or the clowning Anderson Silva. But it may very well be that Dos Anjos is the Machida uh, to to McGregor's Weidman. As a fan, that's what I'm hoping to see. Now, I, I'm, I'm I don't even want to acknowledge the talk of him moving up to to 170 because that just seems ridiculous. Can you imagine but, if somehow Hector Lombard between now and UFC 200 somehow became the welterweight champion and they gave McGregor a title fight at 170? Just the visual contrast between the two. <laughs> Just it seems ludicrous. It just look, you know. I think there's one guy in the history of the UFC. That McGregor could, might be the taller guy there. Oh he yeah, might. but he's about a foot and a half less wide. <laughs> Anyways, what were you saying, Mike? I think there's one guy in the history of the UFC that could have held that could have simultaneously held a title in three divisions, and that's Frankie Edgar. He wasn't cutting to make lightweight. He barely he barely cut to make featherweight. He can make he can make bantamweight. He's, he's strong enough, he's fast enough, he's technical enough. 
But the difference between lightweight and bantamweight is 20 pounds. These welterweights at 170 are entering the cage at, what, 185 to 190. If McGregor somehow thinks he can still make it to featherweight and then bounce his way back up to welterweight, I don't see that as realistic. So he's just, this generation's BJ Penn is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, without the losses as of yet, but yeah. All of which have been explained away or never actually happened. <laughs> All right. I want to wrap up with a, 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 a no. couple of things quick. Um, I'm winning. <laughs> you mentioned Hector Lombard. He is returning against Neil Magny in Australia in March in what is actually a really interesting <laughs> welterweight fight. But uh, talking about Jacare, or sorry, talking about um, Weidman, and uh, Rockhold leads into the booking of Jacare against Vitor Belfort in Brazil this May, which is essentially a sign that the rematch is happening between Weidman and Rockhold. So um, with everyone else booked, uh, Yoel Romero out on suspension for a drug test failure after a questionable decision win over Jacare. The Jacare Vitor fight is uh, neck and neck with Anderson Michael Bisping for mm-hmm. the the next um, middleweight title fight after Luke Rockhold presumably defeats Chris Weidman a second time. I, Can I happen here real quick, Jamie? Yeah. Also, theoretically, possibly Anderson Silver and Michael Bisping jump Weidman, and that fight is made for UFC 200 because I think that they would both be bigger draws for a UFC 200 fight if that's where they wind up putting them. And even if it is headlining 199, I still think Rockhold Bisping or Rockhold uh, Rockhold Bisping 2 or Rockhold Silva would outsell Rockhold Weidman 2. I, I agree and with you. And the timing there. works. I agree with you but I don't think that's the, the route the UFC is going to take. Well, I suppose they could always throw Nate Marquardt in there. He's on a winning streak. Uh, uh, I, I just, I, I'm not sure who else they would put uh, Weidman in with at this point, unless you're saying the... Uh, Robert Whitaker? Uh, I, I don't think they're doing that. I don't, th- I don't think they're doing that to him. Um, just saying would if the other scenario yes. is the way they go, yes. you know. Yeah, it... It, it's, Dan Henderson. Uh, yeah. Oh, He's so left. many gross options in this weight class. Um, it's Damn it's interesting McCart. though. I, I I actually really like uh, on the surface the Jacare Belfort booking, yeah. um, especially as a five round fight. I think Jacare wins that fight. To be honest, um, he did allow himself to get cracked by Romero, but uh, he's. He's better than what he showed at UFC 194, I think. And he fought clean. That was the mistake he made. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, uh, and this fight's in Brazil, so uh, who knows? Yeah. So neither, yeah, yeah, he's gonna have the same problem. Okay, you know what? Uh, here, here's what's gonna happen. Uh, Chakra is gonna set the world record for most non no contest losses in a row. Rich's first scenario is going to play out. The the Bisping Anderson Silva winner is going to fight Luke Rockhold, and Chris Weidman is going to fight Jacare when Vitor Belfort fights or uh, fails one of his USADA tests in the next three months. There you go. That's how we do that. Mike, 
What do you think is going to happen here at middleweight? Do you think this fight actually happens? Do you think we get Rockhold Weidman? Uh, is is Bisping Silva a player for that next title fight? If uh, it, it, depending on how that plays out next month, I, I hope it. I hope Bisping Silva is not a player for the title fight because. I have zero desire to see Bisbing Rockhold again. It's not a competitive fight, and I don't hate Anderson Silva. That's enough. why I want to see it again. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't hate Anderson Silva enough to see him get killed by Luke Rockhold. The guy's a legend. I enjoyed watching all the inhuman things he did before running into Chris Weidman. I don't need another reminder that we all age, and you know, eventually have to accept the reality that. We are, in fact, aging. Uh, th- this was really the scenario I proposed, I think, last last time we had a podcast, was you match Belfort and, and Jacques Ray up, which leaves the Weidman-Rockhold rematch. And it's not because I I, I, I kind of want to see that rematch. Uh, Weidman did all right until, you know, he, he did. didn't. And, and then just got the, you know, crap beat yeah. out of him. But you, you can't really give it to Jacques Ray because no contest or not, he looks like a loser going in. And Belfort hasn't really... Beating Dan Henderson just should not get you a title shot. For No, it's Dan Henderson. I'm sorry. Dan Henderson's like 87 years old. I uh, really wish right now I was much of an, of an Anderson Silva partisan as I am a BJ Penn person because I'd love to make that case. <laughs> I just don't have it. I just don't have the stomach to make the case. But I could make that case. I mean... But I, I like, if that's how it's set up to go, I really, I think it's the, the right move to make. The middleweight division is a disaster right now. There isn't a real intriguing contender. And the most interesting fight for Luke Rockhold to make is moving up to light heavyweight and having some sort of super fight. And it's not like anyone's clamoring to see that because not a whole lot of people out outside of your hardcore uh, MMA fans really appreciate what Luke Rockhold's doing right now. Might I just say that I think what they're actually doing at middleweight is waiting for the Silva-Bisping fight to finish up before they make any decision on what they're going to do with Rockhold. So we can talk about it now, but I don't think they're going to announce – I don't think they're going to announce Rockhold-Weidman 2 before they see what Anderson Silva looks like. And if Silva wins over Bisping in Britain, he has more of a chance to get it. I'm not convinced of that. They they put a – they they put a date for a – preliminary injunction to be had for the planned msg event in april and for next week and if that's not met i think they're going to california with the event and i think we're going to see john jones daniel cormier and weidman rockhold too i don't think they're both going to be on there i I think think i think they might be part and i think the june pay-per-view is going to be rockhold ufc 199 in june assuming that it is memorial day that they skip is going to be rockhold versus fill in the blank and i think they'll make that decision by the end of february you know and i i'm not i I don't necessarily like that but but rich is really just kind of proving the point that middleweight's a wreck i mean the fact considering anderson silva to headline a fight against against rockhold Exactly. Just just speaks volumes about how uncompetitive the middleweight division has suddenly become in the UFC. I would feel a lot better about it if Anderson Silva would have finished Nick Diaz or beaten him pillar to post instead of boring the entire world for 25 minutes. That fight wasn't good. So I would feel no, I'm not saying I would make that fight. I'm just saying I think that's what they're going to do. Right. No, I agree with with what you're saying. It wouldn't surprise me. I it, it. 
financially makes sense for them as, as far as draws are concerned. Because, again, middleweight, is there a fight you really want to see in that division at all? There's there's not one I care about right now. I want to see Jacare versus Luke Rockhold, and I've wanted to see that more than uh, I wanted to see Weidman versus Jacare. And I thought Weidman Jacare was the title fight to make instead of giving it to Luke Rockhold, despite the fact that Rockhold beat Jacare several years ago in Strike Force. Well, that that's a fight that I want to see stylistically. But that as much as any that. fight, any division that can be put together, that's my number okay. one want to see fight. Well, okay, well, yeah, I was going to say that appeals to me in a I would watch it sense, but I'm not clamoring for it by any means. So, oh, yeah. I am. I would love to see that fight. And I think Jacare had, if I held the book and had a little bit of fair play in mind, I would would have booked Jacare versus Rockhold two seconds after Yoel Romero's uh, test came came on a i scored the fight for him as i think more than half of the people who watched that fight did and b it was a no contest you know? yeah and c jacare hasn't bitched about it publicly he's been a company man as much as he can be all things considered he sure as hell hasn't tim kennedy himself you know hmm. yeah that's the name i should have dropped instead of Kostchuk. shit <laughs> and on that note thank you all for listening in this week uh we will uh, have more to talk about next week and the week after with a couple events coming up that Rich will be covering. Rich, you have play-by-play <laughs> uh, play duties for already, Jamie. UFC on Fox 18 and for UFC 196 as I will be out. So uh, we will be back next week with a podcast on whatever happens in the next week and a preview of the Fox event uh, from Newark coming next Saturday night. So Jamie's going to be spending that Anderson Silva money <laughs> for Rich Hansen <laughs> and Michael Bain. This is Jamie Pennick. <laughs>